You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome aboard. It's hour number three. Big show. No Russick this week. Back next week. Peter Klein sitting in instead. Patty Dumas here. GVP is here. We got a good third hour booked for you. Coming up at 830, Lachlan Patterson is going to join us. Comedian. He has been a runner-up on Last Comic Standing. Special guest on Tosh.0 and The Tonight Show. Born in Vancouver. Lives in LA right now. This is all in support of the Cowboys Blue Ball, which is in support of Men's Health and the Prostate Cancer Center here in Calgary. The Prostate Cancer Center of Calgary um, is where you can donate if you're doing some Movember, some men's health type of donations around this type of year. And one of the things about donating to the Prostate Cancer Center of Calgary versus some of the other organizations is that your funds stay here in Calgary. You can still get tickets to the Blue Ball. You can still get your tables for... Uh, four people, or you can get individual tickets as well, and uh, highly recommend that you look into that. In fact, we have four tickets to give away. Oh, and we're going to do it with a little bit of a trivia question on the text line. Here's the deal: nine six zero nine six zero. This is what I want to know. This is the question for you. Okay. Where, 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 where was Jason Bukula? Not only a player but also a head coach. I want to know both of these things. Text it in, 960-960. First one in is going to get tickets to the Blue Ball, four of them for this weekend. That's going to be going down at Cowboys. Hey, Jason, how's it going, man? Oh, my goodness. If, if somebody's digging that low into the archives, that's going to be an impressive uh, take. Uh, so I appreciate Listen. Oh, I'm tempted to give it away. Here's the thing. We'll, re- yeah. we'll revisit it at the end of the segment because someone's going to get the answer while we're chatting, and, and we can talk That's about great. your time uh, as both a player and as a head coach um, with this particular team yeah, is what I'll say. Great. Yeah, okay, that works. Um, hey, I texted you yesterday. I said there's a couple things I want to ask you about. Uh, the draft class, comparing it to last year's, but also – this time of the year, it feels to me like a little bit of a, a twilight zone part of the season because you can open up the standings and there's a lot of things here that maybe don't make sense. The Philadelphia Flyers have won five games in a row. They sit second in the Metropolitan Division. We also see a team like the Edmonton Oilers who have struggled a lot this year and currently sit eight points out of a playoff spot. It's tough to figure out what is real and what is fake when you're looking at the standings. How do you evaluate this time of the year as when you're trying to figure out which teams are going to be in it and which teams are going to be out of it? Really interesting this year. You just brought up a couple of fantastic examples. I mean, for me personally, you, you know, Elliot, especially as, as everybody knows, well, he's not the only one, but but Elliot's always targeted that uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, the U.S. Thanksgiving weekend. If you're in or if you're out in terms of uh, being a playoff contending team and what the uh, statistics, uh, the, the history has, has proven out over the years, whether or not you make it to playoffs by the end of the year, depending on your slot at this time of the year. But, you know, you just brought up an excellent example. I mean, is Philly ahead of where they were supposed to be? And, and, and if so, you know, is there going to be a regression there? Um, the coach behind the bench is going to make sure that there's not a regression. I mean, he's going to push them as, mm. as hard as he can to get everything you can get out of them. You know, obviously Edmonton, um, 
boy, oh boy. Like, uh, I watched, you know, their game the other night and, and I just watched the way that they're interviewing after games and just the players. And, you know, there's, um, uh, you know, they look like they've, they've gone through like two rounds of playoffs already, you know, with their <laughs> body language, like, yeah. you know, they, they look beaten up. So I'm not so sure what's factual and what's, uh, what's misleading at this time of year, but uh, I will say this, you know, um, just talking specifically even about Calgary, um, you know, nice little run recently. They're in the mix to kind of get back uh, into it, uh, be a, you know, that, that kind of seven, eight slot or in that range. But I'll tell you, boys, that their schedule coming up is just grueling, to say the very least. So, so here's how I'm looking at it. Segments is, like, is how I like to do it. You know, I generally like to do it in 10-game segments. So uh, specific to Calgary, um, this next 10-game segment for me will determine the, uh, the outlook for the rest of the season. Well, there's been a dramatic shift here in the, the, the results for the team. They lost six straight, and now they, they, they're rattling off points left, right, and center. How much of a shift have you seen, and, and what, have been, what has been maybe the reason for that shift with the Flames of late? A uh, significant shift, obviously. Um, clearly, they're, they're, there's more of a... Well, let me put it to you this way. At the beginning of the season, I thought that I, I really liked their training camp. I really liked their energy coming out of camp. I liked the way that they were playing fast, and they looked like they were you know, ready to go. Obviously, they, you know, it wasn't a great start, and there was a significant setback. I feel like they're starting to reestablish themselves. Um, you know, I, I, I see... I see some better puck luck. You know, I see some goals going in from around the crease. I see some, some contributions from like Limholm and even Hubert has been a little bit better, but he's still got a ways to go. Um, I see some stability on the back end, you know, certainly with, uh, you know, some of their defensemen, Anderson Weger, you know, handling heavy, heavy minutes. And, and, you know, it, Anderson, Anderson to me is, is, uh, a massive glue guy for the flames. I mean, when he was up for that the suspension, um, you know, you see how much value he has when, when they start going on runs like this, uh, positive runs, but Marky's been good guys. Like he's, uh, you know, they're getting good goaltending and, um, and, and that's, that's, that's a huge part of it. Obviously you need to get an extra stop here and there to uh, keep momentum alive. And um, I don't know, they, they, they're not laying down in games and, and I appreciate that. You know, they got some pushback, they got some comeback in them. And uh, that's a positive sign. Uh, I know you're rather familiar with, with Jonathan Huberto, and he's someone who's obviously been talked about here quite a bit. Um, it, it does seem like over the last little bit, he's starting to get his game back, and we're starting to see the guy that I think Flames fans were expecting. Uh, what have you seen from him that the last few games with him, Backlund, and Coleman being paired together? Well, I'm going to say something first about Coleman. And I feel like Coleman, uh, his compete in his, um, the look in his game has gone to another level for me. Um, you know, he's, he's clearly been, um, he's, he's playing with an edge, like a chip on his shoulder. So that, first of all, I want to, I want to send that out to him, but as far as Jonathan goes, um, you know, to the naked eye, I completely get it how, um, and he's earned this, right? So, you know, I'm not, I'm not discounting it. His game hasn't been good enough. Uh, his body of work hasn't been good enough. But recently what I've seen is his small area game has been much improved. Like he's making way more crisp plays with the puck. He's an elite distributor. Like he really does see the ice. And um, the playmaking that he's, he's presenting at this point is better. 
Um, he's a little bit more engaged off the rush. You know, I still need him to get more pucks to the net. I mean, I feel like I've been banging my head against the wall for years about this. Um, but I, I see more enthusiasm out of his out of his game overall. I see a little bit of step in his confidence. You know, guys, as bad as he was, um, you know, when you take a look at the the entire team, you know, he had like nine points. Uh, I, I, before Lindholm exploded for that, that, whatever it was, three or four point game last week, three point, I think. I mean, they were, they were tied, tied for second, I think, in team scoring. So the body of work for the team wasn't great. Jonathan was a big part of that. Your best players need to be your best players. I see improvement in the game. Um, I see more confidence. But I'm going to say this, but... He needs to prove it to me over this next segment. I need him to continue to uh, toe the rope here. The, the shooting thing, is it a, a confidence in his own shot? Is it just not what he looks for first because of playmaking? Like, well, what is it specifically that, that is kind of that speed bump between what we're telling him to do and what he's actually doing? He can really shoot the pill. Like, this guy, he, he can really shoot it. And forever, he's been a pass-first guy since he came into the league. And when we had him in Florida... You know, him and Barky, you know, they would ping pong it around sometimes and sometimes one too many times. And, you know, he needs to get more of a selfish streak in, in, in his game. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking back to a game about a week and a half ago when they were, you know, they were starting to come as a team. They were playing better. But, you know, he comes in through the slot and he dishes it to the flank. And that's happened more than once this season. It's going to happen more than once for the rest of the season. It's just his MO. It's the way he's programmed, and it's like, you know, he can't teach, a, a you know, an old dog new tricks type thing. But we need him to shoot the puck more. It's just flat out, you know, we need to do it. And even if that means that he's going to start to uh, potentially play his offside a little bit more on, say, the power play or, or whatever, where he's opening up more to, to take a step or he's got that open look off his left shot, um, whatever it takes. But uh, it's a mindset, uh, Peter, and... and it's tough to break because he can shoot it, uh, but we need him to shoot it more. I want to ask kind of a, a nerdier scouting question, if that's all right. Um, with this Flames group, obviously, we're expecting some changes. We don't know the, the scope of those changes, but there's a pretty good uh, indication that the amount of draft picks and where those draft picks are is going to drastically change for this group, and the prospect cupboard could change as well. From a, a scouting standpoint, obviously, you want to know a little bit about all these kids, but is it tough to, to really get a focus when things could dramatically change for an organization over the next couple of months? You mean in terms of the roster, like the kids that they have on the roster right now or the big picture going forward? Big picture going forward. Like they, they could have uh, a very high pick or not or a bunch yeah. in the like, 20s and the, the prospects that you have could also be impacted greatly over the next little bit. Yeah, so, you know, as you guys know, their first rounder that they own right now for next year has got so many conditions on it. I mean, we sit here, it would take up a whole show to talk about the, the conditions on the first pick. So um, I'm anticipating, again, um, I don't want to bore everybody to death, but as a scout, this is how I'm looking at it. This next 10-game segment is going to determine the long-term projection of the roster. The 10-game segment is going to take us close to the Christmas break, so I'm not anticipating anything um you know, happening necessarily at, uh, at Christmas uh, or around that time for trade. But the grid is pretty flush as it sits right now for the Flames. If people want to look it up, uh, you know, you can find out like on cap friendly or wherever it's going to get better. So they have high end returns on the horizon for their pending UFAs. If they decide to go that way, this isn't a bad news story all across the board. 
they can retool on the fly here and be, be very good or good enough to be a playoff team, pardon me, and be very good in the next couple of years based on how they handle the next couple of months. I'm actually, um, you know, not the least bit concerned about the trajectory if they have to go that way. Obviously, you got to draft the right players. I mean, that, that goes without saying. But let me tell you, they can really stock the cupboards in, in short order here. And don't don't forget something, guys. You can reinvest draft capital mm-hmm. in 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 roster players too, right? Like you can turn around. So you, it's all about asset management. You get all these picks. You know, if that's the choice they make, okay. Now we're flush. What do we want to do with them? Do we want to retool with picks? And the draft looks pretty good. I got to say right now. If do you want to retool with picks, or do you want to um, reestablish our roster, flip some of those picks before the draft? Um, in the cap environment that we live in and bringing in, uh, you know, established NHL players. So it's not a bad news story, believe it or not. Worked pretty well with the Canucks and Philip Hronick, right? Like that's the type of move you're talking about? Exactly the type yeah. of move I'm talking about. Exactly. Um, over the last eight games where the Flames have seen a little bit of a turnaround, there's been a bit of a trend for one particular player, and it's something that you have been yelling about for quite some time. Not yelling, but you've been talking about it. Uh, Mackenzie Weger over the last eight games in five of those games, his ice time has been over 23 and a half minutes and he's playing extremely well on that pairing with Rasmus Anderson. Um, what are you seeing from number 52 right now? Yeah, we've talked about it. Haven't we? I mean, he's a guy that, uh, the more you feed him, the better he gets. And you know, it's, Anything over 20 minutes is, or 22 minutes, like he can play upwards of 26 minutes a night. So can Rasmus. Um, I think that this pair complements each other. Um, you know, Weegs is, is uh, comfortable playing his offside. They've got some growl, that pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also got some skill. Uh, they both can transport the puck with their legs. Uh, they both can make plays in the offensive zone. So I, I, I think it's an established pairing now that can eat a lot of minutes. And uh, Mackenzie's game's been solid, guys. Like, uh, from about the halfway point last year until what we've even seen this year, for the most part, um, you know, he's he's been solid and played to his identity. But this year, this pairing, um, I really like it. And I think that it's uh, it's a nice foundation that uh, they can trust. You know, and when you can start a defensive zone, when you, when you can start in any zone and, and also know that uh, your goaltending is going to be playing at a high level with that pairing, that's a nice start. So uh, Weeks has been better. Um, but again, listen, this, this roster, this team has been polarizing. It's been perplexing for the last couple of years. I'm not all in yet. Let's see how it goes. I wanted to ask you about something you brought up earlier when we were talking about the Oilers and you mentioned how you had watched some of the avails for some of the players and it looks like they've been through a couple of playoff series. I just wonder, like when you were in the league, how much do how much do opposing coaches, opposing teams watch the avails from players that they're about to face to get an idea of what the temperature is of the team? Because I've always felt like a lot of the stuff that we're hearing is is kind of lip service and the people inside the game don't want to listen to it because it's not necessarily what is fact but I just wonder how much other teams actually watch media avails for other players and coaches and all that stuff yeah not not too much I mean I think that uh I think that they they'll tune in or they'll 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 catch it out of the corner of their eye to see what a coach is saying here and there but I, I would say as far as the head coach goes or maybe his staff, they're so busy. They've got so many other things going on. But I will say this, that uh, from a management perspective, um, when, you, when you see a team, let's just say you're next up to play the Edmonton Oilers and you're seeing, 
you know, some of their avails from the weekend. And you're seeing that kind of deer in a headlight, you know, exhausted type of look. The message flows downhill, and it's like, listen, these guys are not feeling very good about themselves. They look beat up. They're going to try to come out of the gate as best they can. But, you know, let's let's not let, you know, them get that start. And let's not get, have them get a head start. Let's kick them when they're down. And let's kick them down hard early in games. Um, and then, you know, hopefully they lay down. But uh, it, it's it's noticeable to somebody like me uh, because I'm a scout nerd who looks at stuff like that across mm-hmm. the board. So, um but but head coach is probably a lot less. Speaking of scout nerd stuff, uh, what's the preparation like for the upcoming draft already? What have you learned so far? How is this first round going to compare to last year's first round? Which, you know, you got down to the 25 mark and there were still a lot of players that people liked available. Yeah, I can't wait till our mock draft next spring. It'll it's always be fun. fun. Um Good draft, guys. Good draft. Uh, you know, again, you know, I like the depth of the uh, first round. I'm going to say this, um, and uh, I'm trying to be – I am I try and come at things from a different perspective, you know, because I've been in, uh, doing it for so long. From a, There's some guys at the top of the draft class that are starting to play their way into concern mode for me. So, like, Cole Eiserman's the second overall. Everybody's, you know uh, – singing his praises for what he does well, which he's an elite goal scorer. Like he, he shoots the puck, shoot first guy, no question about it. He loves to go on the offense, but the rest of his game has really been a huge concern for me. And it opens up the door for other people to start to walk through. Like his defensive detail has been well below average. And I only need offensive guys to be average. I don't need them to be elite defensively, play to your element, but have enough detail in the defensive zone that I know that you can at least, you know, do the job. Um, there's a kid in Russia, though. I have to bring this name up. Uh, Anton Siliev. He's a right D, left shot. He's six foot seven, two hundred. They say two eleven. I have to say this: uh, he hasn't been measured or or weighed because he's in Russia, but he's a monster. And my goodness, does he move! Like he moves like Bolmeister moves, like beautiful skater. Mm. Uh, keep an eye on that name. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, up or down, how how much movement and momentum he has uh, as the season progresses. But uh, there's going to be that's the other thing. You know, as we talk about acquiring draft picks uh, and draft capital, um, draft slot acquisition in relation to the team you're trading with, um, that's all going to be part of the strategy here too. As the amateur staff start to project out lists. And they start to say, okay, does this trade still have good value in relation to this draft class? There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes in, in regard to all these, you know, picking up picks here, there, and everywhere. It's going to be something to keep an eye on moving forward as well. Um, I want to ask you about some of the WHL guys next time that we have you on here as well. So we'll get into that next time. But uh, we got to wrap up our trivia question here, Jason. We've had some guesses for where you were both a player and a head coach before you got into your time in the NHL. Uh, first off, a few guesses here. Uh, someone asked if it was the Predators. Was it the Predators? Negative. No. Jeez, I wish it was, though. That would have been great. Was it the Florida Panthers? That's another guess we got. It was not. No, no. not the Florida Panthers. Someone's getting you confused with Reggie Dunlop of the Chiefs from the movie Slapshot as well. <laughs> no, that would have been great. That would have been great, too. But uh, we got to give our, our prize here to Matthew, I believe, who sent in St. Mary's Lincoln. Lincoln's? Lincoln's? That's the St. Mary's Lincoln's? Lincoln. 
The St. Mary's Lincolns played there. Uh, Steve Shields was the other goalie with me. And then uh, uh, Walt Tuchuk was our head coach. Really? The, uh, Big Walt? Yeah. Yeah, Big Walt. And um, uh, so Terry Chris, well, I know you got to go, but Terry Chris uh, is uh, from Perry Sound originally, but makes his home in St. Mary's. Jeff Chris, who's right there in Calgary, who scouts for Seattle. Um, it's a small little community, but uh, it's got a lot of uh, tentacles, if you will. So, yes, uh, player, head coach, head coach, GM in St. Mary's. I'm proud to be a, a Lincoln alumni. It's a fantastic little community. What was the scouting report on goaltender Jason Bukala? Uh First of all, first five minutes never started on time. Um, <laughs> competed, competed, you know, as hard as he could each and every night, but complete snapper head at the same time, too. So not good enough. <laughs> well, that's fun. How about as a head coach? How was the record? Uh, we did pretty well. We uh, we rebounded. We, we kind of rebuilt it there in short order. Um, it was it was well above 500, and uh, we were good that way. It it springboarded me to Sault Ste. Marie to be the director of player personnel with the uh, with the Greyhounds. So I'm proud of the opportunity I got for that too. Anything that we can keep an eye out for on uh, Sportsnet.ca as far as writing? You're going to be on the desk at all coming up. Where can we catch you next? Because I know you're not on social media. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit more on social at uh, at Pro Hockey Group. It's it's uh, on social, but um, today there's a there's an article dropping. Um, as you know, a lot of noise around the Leafs trying to acquire different. I've I've done a deep dive into trying to be a little bit more realistic with what they have asset wise to work with across the league. Everybody thinks that they can buy, 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 but it's not that easy, fellas. You have to have the assets to get it done. So there's a little taste of the Calgary Flames in there as well, mm-hmm. but uh, that should be dropping in the next couple hours. There you go. Love it, Jay. Uh, take care, man. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy, uh, I guess, American Thanksgiving, too. You bet, fellas. It's always great to talk to you. Eh? Hopefully uh, hopefully we do it soon. Yep, you bet. We'll talk some WHL prospects then. Cheers, man. Cheers, guys. See ya. There's Jason, Jason Bukla uh, from Sportsnet, uh, scouting analyst, the pro hockey group as well. All over. Your first time chatting with Jay? Uh, no, I, I've had a, a couple chances. Uh, we, we had him on during the summer when I was uh, filling in a bit. So, yeah, I, I love it. I can chat with him whenever. Oh, yeah. Whenever it's like, we got an open spot. Uh, I'd like to talk a little hockey. Yeah, I would. he would be very annoyed by it, but I would love to just sit down and be like, okay, so. Scouting. Everything scouting, please tell me. Yes. Yeah, I, I would. I, I love the, the little ins and outs of that kind of stuff. He has told me he's going to make his way to Calgary at some point this season to do some scouting, and uh, that's certainly going to be something that I'm going to harp him on. Uh, I think he's going to try and come and watch the could Pittman. Have, they got two a couple of prospects. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Carson Wetch, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Carter Yakumchuk as mm-hmm. well. Carter having a really nice season uh, on the blue line there for the Calgary Hitman. It yeah. could be a first-round pick this upcoming mm-hmm. year, probably later in the first round, but... Uh, Still, would be very cool. It's yeah. it's been quite some time since the Hitman have had someone this Jake talented. Bean, I think. Yeah, was the last and, one, and the eh? thing was, Jake didn't. He got drafted as a Hitman, but then he got traded away yeah. because they, the team just wasn't More very good. good. Um, It'd be nice to see a Hitman get drafted, like high, high. Because yeah. like you think about it, the last couple of guys that did get drafted were Sean Chagall and Tyson Galloway, mm-hmm. and neither of them got signed. No. when their rights were up. Uh, after their three years following being signed, now both of them are, are free agents. Um, both spent time at NHL camps mm. this past uh, summer, but uh, nevertheless taking part as uh, some overagers with the Hitmen right now. And always love our chats 
with Jason Bukla. And like you mentioned, you can find him on uh, social media at Pro Hockey Group, where he does a lot of his uh, scouting stuff as well. We'll take a break. Uh, you can get Hour 2 of The Big Show wherever you get your podcast now, Apple, Spotify, or Google. Jason joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We have Lachlan Patterson joining us next. We also have Impossible Flames trivia coming up after the break. So a lot to get to before we hit the top of the hour, 9 o'clock, and uh, get out of here. But uh, we'll also tee up the Flames and Predators. Yeah. A lot of stuff to do before we say goodbye. We'll continue next. Sports at 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Got a few things to do before we say goodbye on this Wednesday. First off, Flames Predators tonight, 7 o'clock. Pre-game show is going to go at 6 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960. They will be off on Thursday, and then they will uh, play again on the weekend. They got a tough back-to-back where they're going to play Colorado and Dallas. But first, this game in Nashville against the Preds. Didn't practice yesterday, so we'll have to wait for line scratches and all that type of thing for maybe morning skate later today or even uh, warm-ups ahead of the game. We have Impossible Flames trivia to do. We'll do that in about 10 minutes' time here. Um, But also, right now, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Lachlan Patterson joins us, comedian who is going to be in town for the the Cowboys Blue Ball coming up this Friday, a comedy show that's going to be going down at Cowboys and uh, was there last year. It was a ton of fun, had a front row seat. It was great, and uh, this year should be no different, raising some money for an important cause as well. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, we say good morning to Lachlan. Hello, man. How's it going? Hey, good, man. Good to, can you hear me okay? We can hear you okay. We can hear you fine. What's going on right now? Making a little breakfast? What's the deal? Yeah, did you hear the microwave there? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm making my... yeah, I'm making coffee. Hmm. Great way to start the day. Now, are you still down in California, so we're catching you a little bit of an early hour here? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm, you've got my morning voice. It's 6 a.m. here. so And I'm a comedian, so, you know, 6 a.m. is like 2 a.m. for a comedian. Yeah, it feels like it's, it's not an hour that you would typically see. Uh, you're coming up here to do some stand-up. Can you just tell us how different stand-up is for you now with... More so the the social media engagement and how everything is trending to kind of move to be online. But when things are online, you also enter into a little bit of a different sphere. How different is things for you now where you're trying to do the the stand-up, also balanced with your social media presence, your online presence? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I used to just be an artist. And now I'm a producer Hmm. and a cameraman and a sound guy and an editor. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's much, it's much more complicated. You have to, you have to have skills in a lot of different facets to be able to, or you have to have money to hire all those people, but it's become a a lot more, you gotta have a lot more different talents. I think, um, used to be, you just gotta get on stage and people would just come to the show. Um, so it's, it's a challenge. I, uh, but I, it's fun. It's fun learning all these new things and, Social media is always fun, right? There's a, it's no, you're not a social media guy. It's a, it's got its pros and its cons for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can be, you can, the cool thing about social media is you can, you can have tons of fans and not be funny. Yes. 
<laughs> That's very true. Um, we're getting set for you to come up here. Join us here in Calgary. I'm just perusing the YouTube page a little bit here. Uh, what type of comedy are we going to expect uh, when we come see you on Friday? Oh, we've got uh, so many. There's, there's a, we've got a bunch of different types of comedy. Uh, we've got um, high energy, high uh, um, observational um, low-key comedy. There's a, a, a bunch of different really talented comedians are going to be up there. And it's, uh, so everyone will get uh, what they like. You'll get to see a lot of different types of comedy. Um, and it's a very good cause. It's for, the, uh, it's for prostate cancer. Uh, there's also going to be um, uh, a man in a van. The Prostate Can- Cancer Center's mobile clinic will be on site performing PSA and BMI tests. And Bowtie Pizza and City Club Barbershop will be on site serving up pizza and cutting hair by donation. They can get tickets at cowboysnightclub.com. And uh, it's going to be a blast. I know this is the fifth annual, so they've done it four times already. And every time it's a hit. You went last year, you said. Did you have a good time? I did. I had a great time. Um, It's always fun getting down to Cowboys. And then, of course, you can just tickle the felt, do a little gambling after two. A little bit of everything, donations. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I've got my 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 good conscience type of thing because I'm supporting a good cause. I'm getting my laughs in and maybe make a little money at the end of the night too. It's a great event overall. Yeah, good luck, man. You're a gambler, man. Good. Uh, yeah, take a stab at that. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't gamble, but I do. Uh, I gamble with my my body when I <laughs> when I drink. So mm. we um, all have our own sort of vice. <laughs> I want to kind of get back to the, the social media aspect of things because uh, I think like a lot of people just assume for a comedian, you think of a joke, you tell a joke, but th- there's a lot that goes into actually crafting something. And now with everything getting blasted out on social media, jokes that we see on, on TikTok or Twitter or YouTube may not be the, the exact finished product. Has that kind of changed how you would necessarily craft your, your act given how everything and the, the advertising out on, on social media maybe changed things? That's a good question. I think um, it hasn't changed how I craft it. I think for a lot of comedians, it changes the, you know, it's it's just quicker. You're, you're, it's like a song. Uh, uh, I think music has the same problem. You have to you have to re- release something maybe before it's completed. So you're seeing a lot of incomplete jokes when you're watching them on social media. Um, you're watching a lot of crowd work often which is um, the most incomplete form of stand-up. Whereas when you, you know, like it takes me, some jokes uh, aren't finished for me for several years. Hmm. And um, with social media, you know, the demand is, uh, the turnaround time on a joke is like, it's so quick that you're just kind of like throwing it out there before it's really ready. Um, I, I, uh, I'm guilty of it too. I, I try to, I try to produce online content every day, but um, when you come see me live, you get to see the full um, curated professional um, you know, versions of, of the material. It's, it's much, um, it's much, I think, I think live will always be better than social media. Mm-hmm. You really yeah. can't tell. You've seen this when you see a comedian on social media who's famous on social media 
a lot of times you'll go to their show and, and they just don't have, they're just not ready. And um, so it's, it's a bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a magic show online. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we've, Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I think we've seen that with a, a few comedians lately. We're not going to have to name any names or anything like that, but there's a few where the, the, they've been really hot on TikTok and then the, the special comes out and boy, I liked you in 15 second doses much more than an hour and a half here that this has become a, a bit of a challenge. And then also maybe I've seen a few of these jokes already. So it, it's, mm. I, I just, I think it's a really interesting world right now. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, 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 it, it, it's there's there's less surprise when you come to see them live um but uh i guess i guess good for them that they're getting out there early and mm-hmm. uh but but the great thing about comedy that i've always found i've been doing this for 25 years and i've i've never there's never there's no um just born talented comedians it this is the one industry or entertainment field that you can't be born with this. You, you have to work at it. You have to really work hard at it. It's not like, you know, with music, you can be born with a great voice and um, with sports, you can be born with athletic ability. But I think to write and perform stand-up comedy at a professional level, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time. And so there is, there's no shortcut and um, we're seeing that with social media. I think that um, when you come see someone live, if you're laughing at them for an hour, it's they've been doing it a long time. Speaking of social media, once yeah, uh, Sorry, once again, all, all all of these guys too. By the way, all five comedians you're seeing uh, at the uh, Cowboys Blue Ball, all pros, all great comedians, all have been doing it a long time. So you're getting a great show. These aren't social media stars. Uh, we're looking forward to it for sure. Uh, I did want to ask you, uh, because you worked on Tosh.0, and as far as social media goes, one of the things that it's good for is videos of fools and people just owning themselves. What was it like to work on Tosh.0? Oh. Um, <laughs> hopefully that footage is gone, but it was fun. Um it was embarrassing. Um, Tosh is, um, he loves to, he loves to poke fun at people. And, and he, he had me, I don't know. Did you see it? He had me dress up in clothes that were about four sizes too small for me. <laughs> and, uh, and I, 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 my role is his personal trainer and he had me in these like tiny little see-through shorts. It was, it was funny. It ended up being funny, but I was so embarrassed. Yeah, um, there were many a times that I believe the people on that show probably felt embarrassed when it all uh, said and done, but uh, I'm sure it was pretty cool to get the opportunity as well. Um, enjoy the chat. Enjoy the travel up to Calgary and hanging out with the rest of the comedians. Looking forward to Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're raising a ton of money, and uh, we'll see you there. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I hope to see you there. There you go. Welcome, Patterson. A little bit of... Uh, how comedy is nowadays. Looking forward to seeing his stuff as well. Um, you can go check out his website, Lachlan Patterson. Um, simple enough. Yeah. Search it out. Find it out. Been very funny. 
And mm-hmm. he's uh, very active on social media and all that type of stuff, as everybody kind of has to be right now. Yeah. Cowboys Blue Ball is in support of the Men's Health and the Prostate Cancer Center. As he mentioned, there's going to be a ton of stuff there. City Club Barbers, Bowtie Pizza, um, Jack Daniels is going to be hanging out. The Man Van's going to be there performing PSA tests for men over 40 and additional health measurements as well for men over 18. Uh, tickets available you can get your table you can get a standing room ticket as well um either way you can go ahead and uh buy that and uh check out lachlan uh ian edwards vinnie fastline and pete giovine nice. gonna be hosting it as well so uh gonna be a bunch of pros out there uh getting this show on on friday um let's do a little impossible flames trivia here and then we'll quickly tee up the game tonight uh there is uh, a splitter for this as well, is there? We got uh, some sort of... Uh... Oh, yeah. Get your thinking caps ready, because it's time for George Russick to deliver today's Impossible Flames Trivia question. An Impossible Flames Trivia is brought to you by Veranda, a friendly farm-to-table restaurant featuring craft beer and spirits from in-house Vacay Bruco and Burwood Distillery, 2566 Flanders Avenue, Southwest, and on Instagram, at Veranda YYC. Here's the deal. What usually happens in this segment is George Russick comes up with three former Flames players. He has a connection that he wants you to text in to 960-960. Whoever texts in with the correct answer first gets the prize. It is a $50 gift card to go see our friends at VK Brew. A little bit of swag involved with that as well. It's really a great prize pack. And uh, today I have gotten the Impossible Flames trivia gig, I guess. The, the, and you have been grinding on this. I, I You've have. taken it very seriously. You know, uh, I believe a real grind would have probably been getting after it yesterday when <laughs> uh, there was time during the day, but I was also doing some Wranglers prep. Right. And, you know, overslept my nap by about an hour or two. So, you know. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, move on. It's fine. No one's too worried about it. Um, but I do have the three players selected if you guys want to hear them. I do. Are you guys ready? Yes. Everyone's ready? Okay. 960-960. That's where you're going to text in the answer. Looking for the connection between these three Calgary Flames. Your first is Mark Giordano. Okay. Mark Giordano currently playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Born October 3rd in 1983. Has played over 1,000. NHL games, played a lot of them with the Calgary Flames, almost a thousand of them. In fact, he played 949 of them with the Flames. Joined the club as an undrafted free agent, made his NHL debut in the 2005-2006 season at the age of 22. Your second player is John Ramage. Son of Rob. Yes, correct. Son of Rob. (laughs) Currently playing for the Wolfsburg Grizzly Adams in the DEL in Germany. <laughs> Grizzly Ooh. Adams. Yes, he's now 32 years Get old. Beard. Ramage was born in February 7th of 1991 oh. in Mississauga. Drafted by the Flames in the fourth round, 103rd overall in the 2010 NHL entry draft. Mm. They also drafted Bill Arnold. Four picks after drafting Ramage in 2010. Arnold and Ramage, they combined for three NHL oh. games. And your final player today is Mickey DuPont. Uh-huh. 
43 years old, born April 15th, 1980, right here in Calgary. Drafted by the Calgary Flames in 2009 in the ninth round, 270th overall back when that was still a thing. Made his NHL debut in 2001 with the Calgary Flames in the 01-02 season. Pardon me. Ended up playing 23 NHL games, 18 of those with the Flames, a few with the Penguins, and a couple of them with the Blues. Also played in the German Elite League, although he was with the Berlin Polar Bears. Mm. His final year playing was 2018-2019. Your three players are John Ramage, Mickey DuPont, and Mark Giordano. What is the connection between all three? Uh, Patty knows the answer. Yes, I do. PK does not know the answer. GVP does not know the answer. You guys are allowed to guess here and okay. fill some of the dead space. Well, uh, please. Okay. They're in um, George's kitchen. No, they, they're not. Okay. very good, GVP. They all played for teams with bear themed nicknames. That's in a good Europe. one. I like that. Uh, I do, did Mark Giordano oh, no. play Moscow for Moscow Dynamo? Yeah. No. Does Moscow Dynamo have. Let's see. I don't no. think they exist. No, he Dynamo needed. Mo- he, I, I feel like there's got to be a bear mascot for a Russian team. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, you would think. Yeah, there's a lot of bears in Russia. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's there might of, just be a hockey team of bears it's in on Russia. That's also a very good point. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point by you. Um, I don't think really, but no. nevertheless, that's fine. Um, let's see here. All three more 55 for the Flames. That's from Adam in Cranston. No. All three signed their first contract with the Flames. That's from Megan. Yes, but it's not necessarily what we are looking for. Hmm. Uh, who are three players to never win at Survivor Series? <laughs> not incorrect. Also not in connect. Uh, are these guys professional ice hockey players? I didn't specify. Yes, they are all professional <laughs> ice hockey players, although uh, Mickey is retired. Uh, John and Mark continue to play, although in, in different leagues, I'll admit that. Yeah. Um they are all bald. I don't I don't know if Romage is bald. Uh, it looks like Mickey DuPont has a pretty nice John nice hair bald. on him too. Yeah. Um line mates? No. They nope. couldn't have been line mates for one specific reason that might be relevant to the answer. Uh, uh all played their final game against the Nashville Predators. <laughs> Is that might be true? Geo's still playing. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that one doesn't count. Be determined. Actually. Yeah. That's all. It could be the final game against. Could be. Did you say that Dupont was born in 1980 and drafted in 2009? I don't think that's what I said. No, 2000. No, he was drafted in, in 2000 round. in the ninth round. Mm, is yeah. what I said. That round no um, longer exists. But sometimes I slur my words. Usually it's not this early in the day. Uh, <laughs> Daryl Sutter signed all three. Maybe. Not what I'm looking for. All three played games over in Europe. Correct. Once again, not what I'm looking for, of course. Didn't uh, even have your name and location on there. Geo went over. Yeah, name and location, yeah. I guess. Uh, Geo, of course, went over during the lockout. Played a little overseas. Earned a contract. Mentioned the other guys. Because they, they offered him the, a three-way the contract. German Elite League. Yeah, back when you could still do yeah. three-way contracts. Yeah. <laughs> Send you right down to the coast, baby. All of them played with Yager. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All three are left D-men. Uh, I didn't know they were all lefties, but they are all D-men. That's part of the answer, but I'm looking for a little bit more. They all share names with cartoon mice. <laughs> John? There's a John is out there? there a John, John and Mark? John and Mark Mouse? 
Mm. <laughs> I mean, probably somewhere. Like, probably a really, really bad uh, cartoon. Two that, apostles that, and a mouse here. It feels like he did, like... <laughs> Word association for one word and just it. sent it in. Yeah, Mickey. All right, mouse, yeah, mouse, go. mouse. Dupont. They're all named after motor oil. Yeah. Let's go. Dupont's paint. <laughs> Whatever. They all play defense for it's the on NASCAR. That's all I know. Yeah. Yes. All three. Um, oh, we got another one in here. All three played their debut with the Calgary Flames. Yes. Can I take a crack? Yes, you can. Scored their first goals in the NHL with the Flames? No, oh. but they probably did because they all started their careers with yeah. the Calgary I think John Flames. Ramage That's scored part a goal. of the answer. Here's the thing. We've re- we've reached two, if not three, parts of the answer. It's multifaceted. Okay. One that you've got, they're all defensemen. That's part of the answer, and that needs to be in your text. One, they all started, or two, they all started their career with the Calgary Flames, also relevant. But we're looking for one other wrinkle here. And I will say, here's your first hint. This wrinkle, something that we talked about with Brent Cron earlier in the week. Mm. I think that took me further away from it. Something that we talked about with huh. Brent Cron earlier in the week. Something about developmental To make this a better hint, we asked him, and he could not think of a player Ah. that was in this type of criteria. Oh, we were talking about Nick DeSimone. We were talking about Nick DeSimone. All three played defense with Hannafin. No. They are all defense that started their careers in Calgary, and they love chocolate-covered strawberries. (laughs) Good try, Greg. You got two of the three there. They all got a point um, in their first game as a flame? Maybe. Not mine. All left the flames via expansion draft? Maybe. All played in the one Spangler Cup together? <laughs> I don't think so. Also, I was incorrect. John Ramage did, in fact, not score in his one game with the flames. No, he didn't. No. No goals. NHL defenseman who could mean light as pizzeria owners? I, think right. I, I, think I would buy a John Ramage yeah, pizza. I think I, I would. Mark Giordano's pizza. Uh, here's another hint. Uh, GVP and I worked in this league yesterday. Oh, you worked in the league yesterday. All defensemen who played with the Flames who also played with their AHL affiliates. Oh, you're getting closer. You're getting awfully closer. Because if you remember, one of the conversations that we had with Brent Cron was Mm -hmm. about the fact that Nick DeSimone, long time before he made it to the NHL, 29 years old when he made his first jump to the NHL. Many seasons before he was able to make his way to the NHL. Nate Nate and Lethbridge, you're you're there. All three played in the AHL before getting called up to the NHL. Yeah. You're getting there, Nate. You're getting close. How long were they there? How long were they there? Was it? Can I... Like yeah. I feel we, I, games played. Yeah, it, I, they all played oh. 100 games in the American oh. Hockey League before making their Flames debut. You're missing something. What? How am I missing something? No, so, I think you're wrong. I nailed it. What was it? What did you say? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What did you say? Uh, that they all played 100 games in the American Hockey League before making their Flames debut. But I'm now seeing that um, Mickey Dupont did not. So never mind. Uh, he did. Did he? He did play 100 AHL games. Because his debut in the NHL came at the very end of his season. Ah, so he had played. The hockey DB. They put the uh, NHL above the AHL. Yeah, I see, I see. You got it correct. The thing you were missing is that there were all defensemen. These oh, are okay. Mickey Dupont, Mark Giordano, and John Romage are all, are all defensemen who made their debut with the Calgary Flames, but before they made their debut, they all played 100 games in the American Hockey League. Uh, Joe and Chestermere, you're the winner. That'd be Joe and Chestermere. There you go, Joe. Former Prime Minister Joe... Uh, Joe. 
Joe Clark. <laughs> Former <Love>. Prime Minister. <laughs> John Romage played 103 AHL games before making his NHL debut. Mark Giordano played 122. And Mickey DuPont played 144. Nick DeSimone played like 265. I could not find anybody who was in that type of realm no. with the Flames over the last <laughs> 30 years. And, and in fact, it was kind of tough getting into even this yeah. type of a realm. I had well, to you, do quite a bit of searching. You dug deep. Yeah, we didn't have John Romage being brought up on the show today. But no. There you go. Flame spreads tonight. 7 o'clock. Pre-game will go at 6. Win this game. Yeah, why not? Sure. Yeah. May as well. Right, you're there. You're, you're gone all the way down to Nashville. You weren't allowed to booze up yesterday like old franchise, <laughs> which, by the way, podcast going to be live soon. Uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, you name it, your favorite podcatcher. That chat is going to be up. Same with our chat with Lachlan Patterson. Make sure you grab your tickets to the Blue Ball. It's going to be extremely funny. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, congrats to Joe in Chestermere, who won that gift card from VK Brew Co. for winning Impossible Flames Trivia. Of course, Veranda, a friendly farm-to-table restaurant featuring craft beer and spirits from in-house VK Brew Co. and Burwood Distillery, 2566 Flanders Ave Southwest, and on Instagram at Veranda YYC. That was a busy show. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back again tomorrow breaking down the Flames and the Predators also getting set for all of the NFL action that's going to be happening on that Thursday. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we've got Ross Tucker just yep. after 7 tomorrow yep. and Croner in the 8 o'clock hour. Yep. All right. That's a banger. Sounds like it's going to be a fun show tomorrow. Don't miss show. it. See you then. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.